Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about my town. I'm going to tell you a big fat story, baby. I'll tell about my town. Sports Radio 1990 Game and 1990Game.com. Sam Grinshaw into the second hour on this Saturday morning. Mine is Greg. Um, he'll be back with us. I don't think he'll be in the day, but he'll be back with us next weekend. Uh, got Eric Slaughter, other side of the glass. I'm glad that you are with us. Beautiful sunrise outside. No clouds right now. Uh, maybe some may circle in later on in the day and give us some uh, give us some rain. But right now, just clear skies. We're looking out as I look north and look northwest um, from our studios here on the ninth floor at Wonderful Colony Square in Midtown. Uh, where we have this building that they built while we were away for the pandemic, and I can't see Peachtree Street anymore. Um, I guess I can. Compla- it, it's still there. Trust yeah, me. I guess I, I guess I can complain about that all I want to. That building's not going anywhere, huh? No, you, you wouldn't complain about it if you had invested in that property over there. Yeah, yeah really. How about that? You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, who I was listening to somebody talk one day this week, and they talked about how many many years ago Andrew Jackson kind of begged people to invest in land in Atlanta and. He said that, you know, we're looking, we got to look at the big picture, the 30, 40 year picture and the growth that this city is going to have. Oh, I yeah. tell you, I, you know, I mean, I, I was. People who made that investment. You know, because like you said, the houses in Atlanta, property in Atlanta, you know, I guess, I mean, you were born where, Sam? I was born in Birmingham. You were born in Birmingham. So my family migrated here when I was in high school. Okay. Um, I mean, think about the growth that you've seen. The lanes, the freeway was like, Three to four lanes. Okay. And the population of oh, the city? Oh, my goodness. Was yeah. it even a million? It was. It, it got to that point. Got to that point. Yeah. I mean, because I remember, so I don't think it's there anymore, but up in Buckhead, as you're going north on Peachtree, right around uh, as- uh, oh, Right across from Piedmont Hospital. Right, that sign. Right, you right, say right, Atlanta's sign. population now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's still there. They've been remodeling that place. Right. But I remember when it it said, oh, one million, two million. They're remodeling it to make it more more pricey for you to live there. Right. It costs a little more to stay in that place than it used to. Yeah. (laughs) It costs everywhere. But but I'm talking about, like you said, that that Atlanta population sign just just kept growing and growing and growing. And that don't count. You know, we give you a shout out for the 8 o'clock hour. What town are we going to go to? Let me see. Uh, I'm going to give... how about um, we give Canton? There you go, Canton, Cherokee County. That don't count them. No. 
<laughs> you know, because it's plenty more. And actually, that's where I just used to live. I used to live right across the street from Creekview High School. Okay. You okay. know, okay. You know. so okay. uh, give shout out to the Grizzlies. Yeah, the Grizzlies, you know, man. They won some titles up there. Yeah, they do. They won the cross. They went wrestling. And they always have a billboard right there on – that's Highway 20, not Interstate 20. That's Highway, highway 20. 20. And they always put a, a, a billboard whenever they win the state championship. You see it right there. And, you know, the development up there has gone insane. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And they've opened new schools up that, that way, and yeah. development is, is, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, I think there was a, a time, I think Cherokee County opened three high schools in, like, eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, they opened River Ridge, and mm-hmm. Sequoia had been there for a while. And, um, I mean, Cherokee had been there for a while, but they've opened up a lot. And, um the sports up there really good. Oh, very, very good, good. very good. Guys got some great people to work with the athletic department and some great coaches that work with the young folk up there. And you see it, like you said, state championship banners are contending for just one baseball state championship up that way, but up at Woodstock. Absolutely, yeah. You know Woodstock, I mean? yeah. You know, yeah. You know, so, so home of home of Nick Marcakis. There it is. So yeah. Yeah, they, they got his jersey out in outfield. Do they? Yeah. You've well, been up there? I haven't been they, up there. I've been up there for football, I haven't been for baseball. Yeah. They just um so that where their football and softball fields are, you go up a hill. Mm-hmm. And um, they completely uh, redid the the grounds and built a clubhouse and a new facility. When I went up there this year, I was like, "Wow, man! They didn't put some money up here." And like I said, you got a winning program. People give back, and that's why I used down at Truist Field to help bring up a banner. Yeah, I know that's right. Or winning state championship. But let, let me let me let me let you do something else. I'm gonna put you on the spot to do something else. Okay. Because we always talk about the lack of officials and, and the need for officiating. Yeah. Uh, and you are an official. You, yeah, you, you I do work. three. I do three high school sports. I do softball in the fall. I do basketball in the winter, and I do baseball in the spring. Um, what time during this summer can people get involved? Is it, when do we get the cutoff time for next season? Can people uh, get involved? Spring. So camps for fall sports and basketball camps are going on right now. Okay. So if you go to ghsa.net, go to officials and hit camps. Because uh, I got an email. There's a big basketball camp going on, but it's like a two- or three-day one. Okay. And and that one's kind of expensive. But what a lot of officials don't know, now you have to join your local association, but your first camp is free. Okay. So you got to pay for the association, and the association, you pay for those dues because they get you insurance. Um, they, you know, they have to pay for the processes of, you know, they people have to do work because there's a treasurer who has to build the schools, mm-hmm. and that's a – Serious process. Yeah. And then there's a signer who has to get all the schedules and sit down and sign games. And that's a headache, too. Yeah. Because we get emails from the signers all the time. And all they say is, guys, please keep your calendar up to date. Right. So that when I sign you a game, I'm not getting the email, oh, I had to decline the game because I have to work. Well, we all know we're busy. But it don't take but a couple minutes to go in and say, hey, I can't work this day. I can't work that day. And then the good part about it is, and, and this is the one thing that – um, most officials don't realize. So, like, right now, and I'm going to give a shout-out because I used to text you guys all the time before they gave me this new assignment to work with you guys. I would be listening as I'm on my way to a park to start travel ball. And okay. I'd text you guys, you know, rip with you guys, hey, what y'all say this morning? <laughs> and, um, you know, because travel ball starts about 8 to 830, and they like the umpires to be there an hour ahead of time. Wow. So a lot of them, you know, I know a lot of my guys may be listening right now I wish I was coming out to see you guys, you know, and be on the field with you guys. But I was making a point, and I don't remember what it is. But, um, oh, you can go into your profile and say, hey, I'm going to be in Midtown. 
give me a school within 15 or 20 minutes from where I work. And they can do that. And they can do that, yeah. Okay. You're like, okay. oh, you, you work here? I got a school around the corner from you. So you can get off work and go umpire or, or, or officiate a game right around the corner. Or you can say, you know what? I got to drive back to my hometown. Give me a game that takes me back towards home. Now, the only thing they ask is they say make sure you put on your list any school that you have an affiliation with, yeah. any school you have a child that goes to, whether they play a sport or not. If your child attends that school, we really don't think you should be officiating that school. Okay. And they, they do let you be a judge on it. They say, look, if you think you can be you know, neutral, yep. even though your son goes to that school, right. fine. But you know, don't go there and say, oh – there's the parent of my neighbor who plays the sport and then go talk to him pregame. Yeah. That's a bad look. Okay. Uh, uh, but just some things to think about, folks, as we always like to say, um, there's, there's a need for officials um, always for all sports. And um, think about it. Think about it. Get into the game. Our young people need you. Our young people need you. They cannot play the games without the folks in the striped shirts out there, you know, calling the games or in the blue uniforms, as you would for if you if it's baseball. Uh, we can't play the games. Hey, Blue, what are you doing, hey, Blue? Blue. <laughs> Where was that, Blue? Yeah, people go call you out. People go say some things. But you know, that's part of the game. That's part of the fun. Uh, so, yeah, Eric, I appreciate you doing that, and we're going to do that some more when you're on with us uh, to encourage people to get into officiating. All right, uh, baseball regionals uh, going on, college baseball regionals. We got some teams going on, and, boy, it was a long day yesterday for our home folks. I mean, everybody a long day. Uh, Georgia Tech taking on Campbell. Uh, the Camels one hump or two. They beat Georgia Tech 15-8. to eight. That's in the Knoxville Regional. Um, wow. uh, down in the Hattiesburg Regional, uh, Kennesaw State had a seven-run lead on LSU. LSU beats them 14-11. to 11. You got up seven runs on the Tigers of LSU, one of the historic franchises in college baseball. And they and came, in the they came ran back. 11-14-11. Uh, Georgia falls to Virginia Commonwealth 8-1. to one. I understand VCU's got some pitcher that, that may be a first-round pick. Yeah, really? They, yeah, yeah. Georgia found out about it. I ain't never and, heard of ECU having a strong baseball program. That, that's at that's at the Chapel Hill Regional. So today, uh, things get started down at Statesboro. Georgia Southern plays North Carolina Greensboro at 10 a.m. Everybody else is playing an elimination game. Uh, Georgia Tech is at Knoxville. They get Bama State. Bama State lost to Tennessee 10 nothing yesterday. That's a noon start. The Chapel Hill Regional will have Georgia against Hofstra. That is a one o'clock start. And then the Hattiesburg Region, Kennesaw State. He's going to come back out after losing a seven-run lead. They play Army today at 1 o'clock. All those are elimination games today in uh, the Division One regionals. Are those games broadcast anywhere or just streamed? They're, they're different. Some streamed. Yeah. Some will be over there. But the elimination games will probably be streamed. We got you. You probably get the winner's brackets will be on. Some type you know, of TV. Yeah, some yeah. type of TV. But that's, that's what's happening with them. Uh, also, talking of college baseball, the HBCU All-Stars. Uh, we're at Truist Park the last couple of days. They played the game last night. Team Grissom over Team Freeman, uh, 6-2, to two, final score in the game. We had a chance to go out there on Thursday, and the HBCU All-Stars were doing a kids' clinic. Yeah, and, I saw and, your pictures. Look, the young kids out in the outfield. It was adorable. But the big kids were having fun, too. Right. Okay. Because they get a chance to play on this major league field. Yeah. Uh, home of the world champions uh, here in Atlanta. And I talked to one of the players from, from Morehouse, and he was excited that they were – you know, be in, in the whole city and that they were and they were hosting this and getting a chance to be around this great group of players, but also getting a chance to touch the lives of young folks. And I asked him, I said, 
You ever get a chance to be on the field like that when you were their size? There's no way, man. No. no Unless way. they got to do what's the day we talked about, they got to run the bases on a Sunday afternoon, do, right? Does, does everybody know? do that? No, no. I think they probably capped that off at a certain age or anything. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, no, but I mean, to get a The experience chance, had to be great. The, just the experience to be on the field, and the yeah. kids were just, you know, their eyes were kind of wide, but once they got out there and saw the other kids had their gloves and bat, it just became baseball. There it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it was really neat to see a tip of the yeah. cap for minority baseball prospects uh, working along with the Braves and the Henry Lewis Aaron Fund uh, for putting on that event this week. Hope it's back next season. Hope everybody had a great time uh, here in Atlanta and learned some. I thought it was, I thought an uh, excellent gesture and a great idea. Did you have a chance to see any of the home run derby? Didn't get a chance to catch into the home okay. run derby. See, yeah. I mean, because I had to do a show on Thursday, and I even said during my show, if I didn't have this show, I'd be at Truist Park right now watching the HBCU All-Stars Home Run Derby. I'm going to go out online and see if there's any footage. I guarantee you there's some footage out there probably on YouTube or if you go to some of the personal Instagrams or, or TikToks of the players that participate. I want to see, you know, if, if some of these guys can hit the long ball. And uh, no, no, I just, you know, when I talked about it and when I heard about it, you were the first person to let me know about it about a month ago, and I did my own homework on it. Such a great – I was so happy to, that, yeah. that I came to Atlanta yeah. and – um. Man, yeah, like I said, made the baseball experience for probably more than half of those people out there. Because some of them are going to go on. You know, somewhere out there is a young Michael Harris II. Yeah, how about that? You know, about that? You know so that? there will be, you know, a, a, another a young Jason Hayward's out there. And and uh, who else came from the Atlanta area that – Well, we got Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis, right, right now, you know. Right, right, and, and, and don't think there's, High School. there's a young Dansby Swanson out there. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there's a young Mark Hakes. You know, Mark Hakes has – Two or three young sons that play. I've umpired his sons. Okay, they they, they can okay. play ball. All they right. can play ball. All so right. yeah, all right. there All right. it is. So we'll do that. We'll do that. It was great to see young people getting a chance to touch uh, the field, especially the field being the home of the world champions. That's one of the couple HBCU notes. I don't know if you have Eric. I understand that Coach Ruffin, who left Miles to go to Tuskegee, announced this week he's only going to coach one season. I did not see that. He's only going to coach one season at Tuskegee and work on building up uh, the program. I I saw him call out Nick Saban. Oh, about wanting to play some some games. And a lot of people got after him about that, too. Well, well, he said that Alabama owes it to HBCUs to schedule now. but Well, uh, Auburn Auburn does. Alabama Auburn has done it the last few years. They had had Bama State last year, I think. Well, Reginald Ruffin, he's a friend of mine. I've I've known him. You know, he did wonderful things at Miles. Yes, he did. And people used to ask, how do you have the success? At Miles, and now he's at Tuskegee, and Tuskegee is used to success. So if he's only going to do one year, he's hoping to get a banner in that one year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Tuskegee was down a little bit last year. You know, we won that Morehouse Tuskegee Classic. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Yes, well, we did. Got Coach Rich Freeman, y'all got it out of Columbus. Yeah. Took it over to Birmingham. Yeah, you know, speaking of Coach Rich Freeman, text with him earlier. You know, if you are a young man that would like to get exposure into HBCU football, the Rich Freeman. Camps. He has several camps coming up. Okay. We'll be coming up. Go to, I think it's richfreemancamps.com. You can go to the Morehouse Athletics website and get the information because he has one camp. It's called the Scholars Camp. Okay. Where, because schools like Tuskegee, schools like Morehouse, schools like, um, uh, you know, certain, certain HBCUs that want you to have a certain academic standing. To get in, yeah, those are the type of young men they're looking for. Where you have the grades to go and qualify for our school, and you have an athletic talent, and we have money to give you. About so that. the How Rich Freeman that? football camps. If okay. you are out there, young men, look it up. 
Go out there. HBCUs want you. And um, it's just a beautiful thing right now. Yeah, the, the HBCU Mega Camp. I know I got, got a chance to visit that last year. They were having it down at Lakewood, and it was a great event. Uh, coaches representing from all the HBCUs, and they know Atlanta's got talent. They know Atlanta has talent, and so they come in to, 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 to check it out. And right now people are focusing on things with HBCU, with athletics, obviously because of what Coach Prime is uh, had people talking about down in uh, Jackson State. Everybody doesn't do videos each week telling folks what he wants. I think I saw a video from him this week. He says, I'm looking for a defensive lineman. Yeah, he, yeah I, got, I got a spot for them. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. But I want you to – but he's looking in the portal. And when you're either, either your junior college guy or portal, you're really looking at the high school kids, he's looking for folks that are going to come in and do something today. Yeah, yeah. But, but see, you know, you and I talked yesterday. He, he's trying to get to another level – where he can win immediately and make a, a statement for HBCUs. But they're, most of the other ones are looking for the traditional because that's how you build a program. Yeah, It's hard to build a program and sustain a program when you're replacing a kid every year. But get a true freshman in there that can, that can grow, you can develop him, and then by his second, third, fourth year, now you guys got sustainability. That's yep. how you build a program. Yeah, yeah. That's what, he's, that's what they're looking to do with a lot of different programs and it's opportunities. Opportunities for folks to get a chance to play and earn that 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 at the that college degree as you play play the game that you love. You've grown up playing it, grown up loving it. HBCU's got opportunity for you to further things. All right, coming up next, we're gonna get back into baseball. Corey McCartney is gonna join us. Uh, my goodness, game from the game from the diamond uh, here on Sports Radio 99 the game and talking chop. More on the Braves as they get set to play tonight in Colorado against those uh, license plate uniforms those guys are going to be wearing. That's coming up when you stay with us on Sports Radio 1990 Game at 1990Game.com. Sports Radio 1990Game at 1990Game.com. Sam riding slow, solo today up on the ninth floor uh, at Kia Studios without Greg, but I got Eric Slaughter the other side of the glass, and I have you. So glad you're with us this morning on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, uh, and we're talking Braves baseball. Obviously, we get excited about the team and what they're doing right now, moving in a positive direction. We want to see them continue to do that, and a guy who keeps an eye on this team always is Corey McCartney, joining us now on the WaitForIt.com hotline. Corey, good morning. Is there morning, Sam? How you doing? Fine. How you doing, man? I'm flying, I'm flying solo. I don't know where Greg is, man. We had to go and go and, and track him down. But I'm glad you're here. This is your Bobby Brown moment, then, right? You're bust, busting out from new edition and going on your own. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> we will see. We will see how that goes. Braves got things going in the right direction. Your thoughts about what what it is? Is it just timing, or is it the fact that we got some competition in the team we really need to push around this weekend? Well, I mean, obviously you're in that stretch of 29 straight, you know, against teams with a losing record. This was a chance where they were, if they were going to make up ground, they had to do it now. Um, you know, we've obviously seen them, you know, have some ups and downs on this road trip so far. But, you know, they certainly it's going to help to get the, the offense in sync and to get the lineup the way it's supposed to look with Ronald Acuna Jr. in there on an everyday basis, which we're certainly not there yet. But uh, we know the pieces are in place. It, obviously, if you get a pitching performance like you had out of Max Fried last night, that's going to help fix a lot of things, uh, but they do need this offense to get going if they're going to really make a run at the Mets. Spending time on the waitforit.com hotline with Corey McCartney. He is social. 
and he's got birds <laughs> chirping all around him there. Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Corey J. McCartney, at Corey J. McCartney, all lowercase. And, of course, you can find him from the Diamond here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Sundays at 5 uh, p.m. Um, you know, you're getting good, solid pitching. You got a great pitching effort last night, and that's something in a, in a game. Did you get nervous as that game progressed? Like, when is somebody going to score? Yeah, and I mean, you know, this was a, I mentioned the performance they got on Max Freed last night, and I mean, it's really stunning when you think about getting that, what he did at Coors Field of all places. Uh, You know, you go back to since that place opened in 1995, and there have been two other instances of a Braves pitcher going at least eight innings and not allowing a run, and the only guy to have done it is Tom Glavin, who did it twice, so that's how good Max Freed was last night in Denver. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, certainly you don't you don't think a Rockies pitching staff that had given up you know thirty combined runs between three uh, doubleheader against the Marlins in the first game against the Braves, you know, and fifty hits during that span was going to hold the Braves in check like they did. Yeah, I mean, it, certainly there were times early where they had an opportunity. Uh, the double steal with Swanson and Acuna, um, having the bases loaded there in the first inning. Yeah, it felt you, you worried that Max Fried's performance was almost going to go to waste, but certainly they were able to pull it out next year. It's kind of the thing you want to see as this, uh, as this calendar is turned to June and we head for July, and you know what that means, you know, the buy, sell, whatever you think about sports' team. You would like to see them shave some, uh, some points in that standing right now because the Mets lost last night. And so is it too early to start watching that type thing? Seems like that's what we're doing already. I don't think you have a choice. I mean, I think the Mets are that good, and I don't think this is the Mets that are going to collapse. I know they don't have DeGrom, they don't have Scherzer, but those guys are coming back, and I think that's the scariest thing is, you know, you're talking about them having a cushion and time to play with. They're, they're out in the West Coast. They could have completely gone winless on this trip through throughout the West Coast, come back and still been in first place in the East. That's how big this thing was that they had built. Um, you know, the, their offense is, is, you know, extremely talented. Uh, I can get into some of the secondary numbers here where you have, you know, low, low hard hit rates like they have in a real high contact rate in a, in a, a batting average on balls and play that's elevated. Those things may not uh, end up helping you in the long run and you worry about that, but they certainly have a lot of superstars in that lineup. And if they can just get enough out of those guys, and I say enough, and you know, Pete Alonso has been ridiculous, but um, it, you know if they're able to cover until they can get Degrom and Scherzer back, uh, this team is just going to be really, really hard to catch. We also talk about the defensive effort when we see a pitcher have the kind of performance that he has, and the thing that gives the pitchers the confidence is the defense that's around it. The infield uh, that the Braves put out every night has always been so solid, but seems like the infusion of young Michael Harris has been good for the team's defense outfield as far as that goes. Thoughts about what he can do, the galvanizing effect possibly. And you don't want to put so much on this guy. This time last week he wasn't even here. You know, he, you know, he was on his way and had his press conference, was on the field. But he could have that galvanizing effect on the outfield. He can. And I will say, though, you know, is, is – vaunted as that Braves infield defense is, if you look in, into the, the, the advanced metrics here, they are in the, the t- bottom five team in uh, their ultimate zone rating. So basically, in, in outs above average, they're in the bottom half of the league. This is, they're not getting the same level of defense that they had a year ago. Um, you know, Matt Olson's not been, you know, the gold glove caliber defense that we've, we know he, his resume says that he has. Uh, there are uh, a few more errors that they've uh, had at this point in the season. But from the outfield standpoint, I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly a, a look where you have 
Azuna out there is not what you want from this team. He's obviously much more suited to be DH. There's a lot of variables there, certainly. You know, Acuna is a major factor there. But Michael Harris, I mean, I just think the abilities that he has from a defensive standpoint, and you talk about you know, elite foot speed, the ability to cover, uh, you know, for lesser defenders in the corners, uh, he has a chance to be really special. And I think along with that, we've seen the bat pick up. I mean, he's had a hit, you know, in, uh, in four straight games now. He's had a couple base, extra base hits there. This is a really talented, really special kind of player, and I'm and I'm really excited to see you know where this thing that's out for him because you know he has a chance to really be a, a more top of the order kind of bat and a real impactful defensive player. What's the biggest challenge for him? Because most pitchers in the league have not faced him yet, um, but it doesn't take long for videotape to get around. No, it's not, and I I think the thing with him at this point is the secondary stuff. You know, like and and a lot of these guys can time up a fastball, but if you go back and I know it was his first game. But if you go back to an A.B. that he had in the Mar- against the Marlins with Cindy Alcantara, he just got just whiffed on three straight breaking balls, and, and he's still really struggling against the secondary stuff. That's where you get next level with these guys when you go, especially when you jump, you know, like he has the, as quickly through the levels here. You, the guy's the ability to locate those secondary pitches uh, is just on a completely different level when you get up to the big. So uh, how he adjusts to that, and is able to pick up and, and you know pick up spin and location and be able to drive those secondary pitches. That's going to be where you're going to see him be able to make that next step. Folks, you listen to Corey McCartney. As I said earlier, he's social. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey J McCartney. You can also follow him at Talking Chop, and also hear him every Sunday here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and from the Diamond. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Braves and the Phillies were neck and neck in the division. They split four games. Yesterday, they fired Joe Girardi. Did, did you see that coming? No, I mean, certainly he was on the hot seat, right? And the team that underperforms when they had the, uh, you know, the expectations that they had, it, it felt like it, it, the guy had a, an option for next year that they hadn't picked up yet. So it felt like he was almost in a lame duck year. Dave Dombrowski, the GM, did not hire him. He was hired by the previous regime. I thought he was at least going to get through this season. But, you know, they're dead last uh, in defensive run saves. They, they put an emphasis on offense, getting Castellanos and Schwarber, who are bad defensive players. But then you don't have Bryce Harper in the field. I think a lot of the ineptitude outside of, you know, the offense from, you know, the relief uh, standpoint and the defense standpoint was placed on Joe Girardi. And he's just, you know, they said they needed a new voice but they went and stayed within the organization for that new voice. So uh, certainly I, I think there's a belief within that front office that, you know, Joe Girardi was the problem as opposed to the, the lineup in the roster that they put together for him to play with. And they do that. They promptly go out and they beat the Angels 10-0 uh, and Harper hits pair of yeah. home runs last night. I yeah. don't know what that says. Well, the Angels are a mess right now. I mean, this is, you know, I, as, as excited as we all were about the prospect of, of potentially seeing, you know, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the, in the postseason, uh, that team's in a bad way right now. That pitching staff that was, was trumping them up and helping them get to the point where they were in first place in the, in the West has really fallen apart. So uh, they're going to have to figure things out in a hurry. But, yeah, you, I, I will be interested to see what this means for the Phillies because this is a talented team, and they have a lot of warts on that roster for sure. You think they stay within the organization for the manager, or the, you feel like there's some candidates that that could come in and 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 be the difference? I think they're going to look elsewhere, and I think you look at guys who have a relationship with Dave Dombrowski. Remember, he was in Detroit for a long time, so Brad Osmus uh, was someone he hired in Detroit, who's currently a bench coach uh, with Mark Cotte out in Oakland. I think he needs to be the, the number one priority for them. Uh, he was in the running for the Mets job last year. I will not be surprised 
if uh, Brad Ausmus is ultimately named the Phillies manager. All right. Back to the Braves now. They're, they are, they're going to play uh, tonight, and I guess the Rockets are going to come out in these new uniforms that look like, <laughs> look like they're car tags out in Colorado. I love them. Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, but, of course, the Braves are going to go with a, a, another start. Please talk about him getting a chance to start and what would be a good outing for him. Well, I think with Spencer Strider, I mean, you look at it from the end of power versus power, right? I mean, he's obviously a guy who can light up the radar gun with that triple-digit fastball. Um, the Rockies, you know, despite what we saw of them last night, uh, you know, are top five teams in terms of home run, a top five teams in terms of run scored. And, of course, they're getting it done at home. So this is going to be, a, you know, a real test for him. A lot of pitchers have told me uh, that it's not you, – you struggle trying to get spin on your secondary stuff when you're in Denver, and then it impacts you for a start or two after that because of the recovery and the fatigue from trying to overcompensate for those. So I think you've got to watch Spencer Strider tonight, and then you've got to figure out what you're going to get out of him these next couple outings as he deals with his first taste of Coors. And that's the other thing. We're still trying to decide if he's a starter or if he's in the pen. I mean, and that's the, that's the other part because we've seen him do a little bit of both now. We have. All but one of his appearances last year in the minor leagues was as a starter. I think you just look at the stuff and it screams, you know, uh, reliever. But I, they're going to have to get something figured out in that, t- that fifth spot until potentially Mike Soroka comes back around the all-star break. Uh, you take away, you know, his last start in, a, in an opener start from Jesse Chavez, and you got a 9-0 ERA from that fifth spot in the rotation. So they're going to give Spencer Strider an opportunity to see if he can be that guy. And even when Mike Soroka comes back, he's not going to pitch, you know, six, seven innings right out the gate. You're going to need somebody to piggyback with him anyway. Um, I think Spencer Strider is going to have a really big role in getting this whole rotation thing figured out for a long time. All right. We'll look to see what happens uh, with that. And obviously, what can we listen for tomorrow coming up uh, from the Diamond? Yeah, you can catch Grant and uh, myself tomorrow from 5 to 7. Uh, it's going to be a lot to go through. We're going to get back into this thing with the, the, the crazy fantasy football league story that's overtaken everything in baseball. We found out Mike Trout is the commissioner and Tommy Pham <laughs> said he's the worst commissioner in fantasy sports. So wow. uh, we finally found something that Mike Trout is not good at. So make sure you earmark that. Yikes. Uh, you do want to tune in for that. That's coming up tomorrow 5 o'clock uh, along with Grant McCart- Corey McCartney from from the Diamond a Hero Sports Radio 929 the game. Corey, always great catching up with you. Thanks so much for the time. All right, Sam. Good luck running solo. All right. We're going to see if we can land a plane, all right? Uh, that is Corey McCartney joining us and always talking, chopping, of course, uh, from the Diamond here on Sports Radio 929 the game. So that's coming up tomorrow evening at 5 p.m. All right. Coming up next, Falcons were at Mercedes Benz Stadium yesterday. The lights were on, doors were open. Fans were there. Why weren't you there? Five bucks got you in. Watch them work out. We're going to find out more about that. Go back to yesterday. Hear from coaches and players and more. Talking Falcons football next. Sam in, minus Greg, in the Kia Studios on this Saturday morning here on Sports Radio 929 The Game and 929TheGame.com. Available everywhere on Odyssey. Sports Radio 929 The Game and 929TheGame.com. Sam Crenshaw. Nine floats up in the Kia Studios, minus Greg. And we'll see if we can track him down and find out where he is this morning. But glad that you are here. And I got Eric Slaughter, other side of the glass, uh, on this Saturday morning. And hope all is well wherever you are uh, around the metro area, metro Atlanta area, wherever you're listening to us, if you're moving around day, if you're traveling, or uh, if you're in another city and you're listening to us 
uh, by way of the app uh, on Odyssey. Just download that app and take 92.9 The Game with you wherever you may go. And also, don't forget to visit our website and contact us on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, and uh, and Twitter at 92.9 The Game and also at 92.9thegame.com, www.odyssey.com. Uh, and read more of a, you know, more podcasts, read more stories. Uh, as we talk about Falcons football, I'm seeing something uh, about a former Falcons center, Alex Mack, who called it a career this week. Talk about a guy that was a difference maker. Oh, I firmly believe the Falcons do not make their run to the Super Bowl if it was not for the factor of solidifying the offensive line that Alex, Alex Mack gave to them when he came. Think about it. I think the – the year of the Super Bowl, the offensive line, all five starters started every game. Was every that correct? Game. Every game. You know, and he was the anchor. Yeah. Uh, he solidified it. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer? I think so. Yeah. I think he should be. Took a lot of the load off Matt Ryan. Yeah. For doing you know? things at the, at the line and changes yeah. and, and calling the assignments and whatnot. He, he took all of that off of Matt Ryan mm-hmm. and made life a little bit easier for him mm-hmm. uh, as well. And the guy who was just glad to be in a situation with that We're potential. Winning. Coming from Cleveland. Right. And and on that, um, didn't he play that Super Bowl game on like a broken leg or something like that? Or, yeah. or injured leg? As we found out later. Yeah. If if he's healthy, you know, I mean, there's a few factors that they should have won that game. But I think if he's truly healthy, yeah. I think he they, they win that game too. You know, may, maybe Shanahan's a little more comfortable to call a run play if he knows his offensive line is truly healthy. I'm yeah. trying to throw that man a bone, even right. though he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> You would do that. A whole lot of people feel the same way about that. Yeah. Uh, but we don't, you know, that's past. We know what's coming up now. The changing of the guard with the team, change with the, the coaching staff and the brain trust for the Falcons, also at quarterback. And the people have heard about it. They got a chance to actually see it yesterday if they came out to Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, for an OTA workout that the Falcons had. They call it Falcons' first look. And people had a chance. The lights came on. And for a time, they opened the roof. They opened the roof, and, you know, that, that was a different use. You sitting there looking, all of a sudden, the the shadows changed on the field. Says, are they opening the roof? They they uh they, they really gave everybody a little taste uh taste of it with the music, cheerleaders, Freddie Falcon, uh you know Dave Archer, of course from the Falcons Radio Network was there as the host. Okay, I didn't realize it was so early in the day. Did was it a good turnout? Pretty good turnout yesterday. And, of course, the money went to the Morehouse School of Medicine. At least I'm I'm not sure of all of it, but Mm -hmm. a good contribution. So I appreciate that. Very much, very much, very much, you know. So uh, so it was great. It was a great time. A lot lot of kids out because the school's out. So you get a chance to do something with the kids and you're inside. And, uh, of course, afterwards, you know, the Falcons got a chance. The players got a a chance to meet some of the folks, meet and greet some of the fans. So they really loved it. They totally loved the experience. Uh, some of them, of course, we got a lot of new faces on this team, uh, the rookies and free agents who are uh, living the first days or the first steps of their NFL experience, and they get a chance to get inside the big stadium with the lights on and just see what it feels like a little bit. Um, so it's year two for Arthur Smith as head coach, and so some things that this second year will allow him to do, and he talks about things this team will do defensively uh, and really expand the playbook on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think you'll see, you know, Dean, and he, he's gone on record. You know, he'll be able to put more, especially in year two, even the guys coming back. They're familiar with what we're asking them to do. There's different packages. We, You know, we should be more multiple with some of the guys if, if they continue to progress, we think. Some of these young guys we brought in and some of the guys we signed give you a lot of flexibility, whether it's on the back end with the depth we feel like we'll have at safety. 
or really up front with a lot of those young guys at that DN outside linebacker spot. So, and an inside linebacker. So it'll be a fun group to coach and uh, be able to open up a lot more of the playbook. Chemistry, chemistry with this team and, and communication is a word you kept hearing from the coaches and the players yesterday after the workout, opening up the playbook and, and the communication is such a big part of it. Uh, even talking with Grant, and he was saying that, that that's part of it for him too, that's going to allow him to, to really expand uh, his role and play more like people kind of expected him to play last year. But back to Coach Smith uh, on the offensive side. Of course, we got some additions uh, at wide receivers, some faces that we're accustomed to seeing not there this year. But he's competent in this group that he's assembling uh, in that room. We want to enhance that room. And if we think there's a guy out there that could possibly make, make this team and make our room better, we're going to bring him in. And in this kind of year, because we don't have to you know, line up and play, a real game, you may go heavy, and it's extended two, three-week tryout for certain guys at certain skill positions. And that we're talking about the exhibition season is three season is three games, and they only get to play one home exhibition game. I think that is that is August twenty seventh against Jacksonville. Uh, they get to play at a preseason game here, here here at home. Of course, they open the regular season at home against against the Saints. Got a chance to talk with Kyle Pitts a little bit yesterday, and he seems to be a little more. Uh, at home with what's happening his second year. Of course, he was kind of thrown into the fire as the top draft pick last year and responded, you know, quite well. Uh, Second year for him in, and uh, he feels like he's pretty confident in the guys around him and the tight ends in their role. He says he can't worry about the whole team. He just wants to know his group is on the best page. Here's what Arthur Smith has to say about the tight ends. Parker Hussey's a guy that's really developed that I expect a lot of growth from from here. Well, Parker's been in the league for a couple years, but he was a converted defensive end from Iowa. And then Anthony Ferkser is a guy I've worked with before. He's another, gives you a different element in the passing game. Guys has made big plays and big games and playoff games before. And um, Braden Linnaeus is a guy that we're going to develop that's been from the CFL. It's got unique uh, pass-catching traits. And then obviously the rookie, John Fitzpatrick, will bring him along coming off the foot injury. Hopefully we'll see more of him in, in camp. And then Tucker Fisk was a guy we brought into rookie minicamp. So that room is unique. It's different than it was a year ago. Uh, so I'm excited. Coach still cautious about what we're seeing so early on. What you thought about that? I, I think that's a lot of tight end names. I didn't realize they had so many. I mean, I think three at most will make the final roster. You know one of them's named Kyle Pitts. Yeah. You know the other's named John Fitzpatrick because he's a well, you hope. Yeah, we hope. We, we hope. We, we, we like to see him make it. Like big, make big it. Big guy. Georgia Bulldog, local guy. We he's hope saying he the right it, things, too. Right? He's coming in with the, heart, uh, with the hard hat and the lunch pail, special teams, whatever the team needs him to do. Okay. And, Parker Hesse can play that tight, that, that tight end hybrid role, kind of. So you might want to pencil him in. So the other ones, are they camp bodies, or are they trying to see if they can find a, a true gym, diamond in the rough, a hidden jewel? So it's going to be some competition. For, for for those positions. And then, you know, like you said, do you call Kyle Pitts a tight end? Do you call him a hybrid? I think he's a hybrid type guy. Yeah. You, you know, know what I mean? He, 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 can, <laughs> he, he can do those other things and, um, you know, the number of ways that they're going to use him. And I think as the playbook expands, we get settled with who the starting quarterback is going to be. Right. We're going to see him expand and do some different things. Maybe we didn't get to see him do last year. That's something I'm looking forward to seeing this year. If you had to put a over-under – on Kyle Pitts' receptions, not targets, but receptions, what's your number? Wow. 
if I'm going him this year, I, I would I would hope that we get above forty. You know, out just forty. No, I would say above forty. Above, okay, above forty. It wouldn't be forty. Probably about fifty, fifty-two. I, 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 but I think it, at least they got him. I'm not. You're talking about targets. We're talking about just you receptions. Know, yeah, receptions. Yeah, I think his target. I think his. I, my, Sam, you blew me away. I was doubling. I think his targets are going to be close to a hundred, and I think his receptions going to be anywhere from seventy-five to eighty. Okay. Okay. You know, if if you're thinking about the the guys that they want to put him in the conversation with the Kelseys of the world and the Kittles of the world, that's what they get to. Didn't Kelsey have close to 100 receptions last year? If, if not, go over 100 receptions somewhere in that area. You so know, to do that. I, I see. Yeah, it'll be a big big second step for him. A big second year step for him. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking 70 to 80 receptions, 1200 to 1300 yards. And when's the last time the Falcons had any person getting to double TDs? Wow. Trying to think. I mean, obviously, as a tight end, I, anybody. Period. I think Calvin got it his rookie year, right? Didn't Calvin get the ten his rookie year? May have been, and may that's been. four years ago now. <laughs> Somebody with double TDs. I thought Gurley was going to get it, but he, he got nope. denied installed. <laughs> no, no, du- no, double TDs for okay. Kyle Pitts. That that's what I want. That's what I need to see from him. That would be big. That would be really big to get that and get that from the tight end spot. That would be pr- pretty, pretty pretty big for this team and something positive to take away from this season upcoming. Something to look forward to uh, indeed as we get set for this season with the Falcons. Now, of course, this is just a training period, and, and there's nobody's putting on any tackles. There's no contact drills right now. None of that's going on. But you want to see how well guys are learning. The, the stuff that you're getting in the classroom, uh, in, your, in your rooms, in your work breakout sessions, they bring it on and bring it to life on the field. And I think that's what the competition is, is really to see uh, at this stage of the training. And that's what Coach Smith also echoed. But this is a buildup. When we start camp, then it's competitive and it's real football. So there's a, all the rookies, Mike. There's the quarterbacks, wide receivers, backs, DBs. There's a progression. So it's a teaching development and a lot of a passing. And that's what, that's what this time is right now. I mean, you know, nobody's putting any pads on. You know, we're not going to know that type thing. It's just learning. And, and especially for a lot of the rookies and free agents and guys who come from other places to learn the way things are going to be done, to learn what is expected here. Sure, it's football, and the guys have played football before, but you always hear the coach talking about the culture they want to establish, finding guys that fit into that culture and the mentality uh, that they want for this, for this uh, franchise going forward. That is the things that they look for. Sometimes it's, it's the little things they look for right now, but they want to see if they're going to be consistent in doing those things well. Uh, in his second year as head coach for Arthur Smith. And, and he has certain things he's going to be watching to give him a, a measuring stick as for the, the progress for the team. And he talked a little bit about that as well. Okay, we're not going to get that one. We won't, we won't get that one. We won't worry about that one. But that's he talked about the fact that, you know, the things he's watching – um, for for the pro, for the for the team and the players because I asked him I said what's what's your measuring stick you know what are you looking for to let you know that you're making progress and he talked about you know in his second season being able to expand the playbook and, and, and do some different things you know with the players and watching you know how the skill positions handle things uh, going into minicamp those are the things he, you know you can't put a timeline in it but you know it when you see it you know when you see the progress here you know hear those thoughts. You really won't see anybody separate themselves now, but you're getting guys in here who are a little heavier on the skill positions. Some guys, as we you know, make decisions, that we'll have some tryout players at veteran minicamp. 
and then we'll, we'll probably end up adding to the lines to balance it out going into training camp. Uh, but you get a couple week evaluation with guys how they're how they're picking up the offense, you know how how they meshing with the quarterback, the timing, understanding conceptually what to do, and really what are their work habits on the field and in, and in the, the classroom. Things that determine if they're on schedule or ahead of schedule or behind schedule because this is his second year as a head coach. So does he change that line of what he sees as a team being on target, doing where he's, he and his coaching staff expect them to be uh, when they get ready to put the pads on and then get ready to start playing, uh, playing games uh, as we get closer and closer to the season started. So interesting day uh, yesterday. We'll get into more later on and hear from some of the players from Falcons' first look at Mercedes-Benz Stadium yesterday. It was a good time and a great time to go down and see the Falcons work out. A lot of folks had a wonderful time. All right, coming up in the next hour, we are about an hour away for former Atlanta resident Coco Goff taking the court to play for the French Open Tennis Championships. Who was her coach? Who was someone that worked with her? The little, the, the little toddler that went out in the, court, the tennis court. We're going to hear from her coming up in the next hour. More NBA talk and more when you stay with us here on this Saturday morning. Sam, minus Greg, but Eric on the other side of the glass. Nine floors up in the Kia Studios in Midtown. Your Sports Radio 92.9 The Game at 92.9thegame.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.